Welcome to the 12 Inches Away podcast, a space for women who are ready to stop living in fear and start living with peace and confidence. I'm your host, Shoni Doosling, a personal development coach on a mission to help women liberate themselves from anxiety and mindsets that are holding them captive so they can get back to owning their life. Join me every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Singapore Standard Time for helpful mindset hacks and tangible takeaways you can use to master your thoughts and unlock your full potential. Welcome to the 12 Inches Away podcast, a space for women who are ready to stop living in fear and start living with peace and confidence. I'm your host, Shoni Doosling, a personal development coach on a mission to help women liberate themselves from anxiety and mindsets that are holding them captive so they can get back to owning their life. Join me every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Singapore Standard Time for helpful mindset hacks and tangible takeaways you can use to master your thoughts and unlock your full potential. Do you ever operate from a posture of anxiety? Do you ever feel defensive? Do you act in certain ways or say certain things that you end up regretting later on? If you said yes to any of these, that means two things. Number one, your perceptions might not be in line with reality. And number two, today's episode is going to be perfect for you. Today, we're starting a four-part series on the power of perception. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at how to understand our thoughts and perceptions, how to know when your perceptions don't quite line up with reality, what damage this might be doing, and how to replace these unhealthy thoughts. We're also going to look at how to build resilience so we have more bandwidth to handle challenging perceptions and thoughts that come our way. For this four-part series, I'm super excited to be teaming up with my friend, Ms. Sok Kwan Lee. Sok is a Gestalt therapist from Singapore who specializes in working with children and families through play and creative therapies. Now, Sok says that she doesn't apply her therapy to her husband, her son, or her cats, but I'll leave that up to you to decide. Without further ado, let's jump into the first of the four-part Power of Perception series. Today's episode is called, Can Our Perceptions Be Wrong? Welcome to the 12 Inches Away podcast, a space for women who are ready to stop living in fear and start living with peace and confidence. I'm your host, Shoni Doosling, a personal development coach on a mission to help women liberate themselves from anxiety and mindsets that are holding them captive so they can get back to owning their life. Join me every Wednesday, 9 a.m. Singapore Standard Time for helpful mindset hacks and tangible takeaways you can use to master your thoughts and unlock your full potential.
So surely, as you know, this is our first part uh, of the uh, this four-part series that we have about perception, the power of perception. So, you know, we hear that people say that what we see isn't what we get, right? And that perception is not really reality. So what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I actually, there's this article that I love and it's from um, Psychology Today and it's called Perception is Not Reality, which is basically exactly what we're talking about today. And it's by this guy named Dr. Jim Taylor and I love how he describes it. He basically just says that perception is quote, a lens through which we view reality, unquote. So his premise is one that I fully believe myself as well, which is that the way that we see things and experience things is actually, it's actually impacted by tons of different things. So maybe like our past experiences or our genetic predispositions. So for example, for that one, like if we're a little bit of a more timid person, we might get anxious more easily. Um, but yeah, there are all these sort of different things at play when it comes to why we see things the way that we do and why we experience things the way that we experience them. So just now you mentioned experiences as well. So um, can you say a little bit more? Because I work with children as well as teenagers. And what do you think about the kind of experiences that they have and how does it affect them in the later years? Yeah, that's a great question, Sock. So actually, let's say, for example, that there is a kid that's bullied when they're, when they're growing up. And I want to ask you more about this because you, you specialize in working with kids and teenagers. But the way that I would understand it is, so if you go through the different developmental stages and sort of end up not fully sort of passing that stage, then sometimes you can go into the next stage with somewhat of a deficit for a lack of a better word. So let's say for instance that someone is bullied and they always feel like they're never good enough. They might not develop a sense of trust with other people. They might not develop a sense that they are really worth love or attention. And so as they grow into adulthood, if they continue to interpret different experiences that they go through as meaning that they are not good enough they'll get this belief in them that they're not good enough and then they'll tend to see things from that angle as opposed to different angles but yeah i would love to hear from you what would you say and what are maybe some things um that come into play with experiences from childhood well similar in the sense but there are some differences in the sense that when you talk about the the developmental stages so so the perspective that i take is that the developmental stages is not discrete all the time you know like we all move through the stages you know it's more fluid but you're right in certain experiences that we have growing up does affect the way we see the world or the way we make sense of the world um, for example, if I grow up and, and I've been told that I am, you know, not good enough or I am too good for a lot of things, you know, so it doesn't have to be a negative way. It could be two ways. So if, it, if I grow up thinking that I'm so perfect, I'm so wonderful, you know, or the flip side is like, yeah, I'm no good, I'm useless, then that would affect the way I see the world. So it's a little bit like wearing a a different colored lens glasses like what the the, the reference that you made about Jim uh, Dr. Jim Taylor's uh, comment about the lens 
So it does shape or influence the way we see the world as we grow older. But as to whether that presents as challenges, then I think it will differ from individual to individual. And, and yeah, I, I do agree with you that the perception, um, a lot of our perception of things um, is in many ways influenced by our experiences growing up. And maybe part of it is also linked to our personality, our dispositions, um, and therefore limits, you know, our responses, so to speak. So it does seem like we sort of feel, agree that maybe what we see oftentimes are not what's reality. So we did mention a little bit like kids growing up. So in for an adult client, I mean for an adult, what would that look like? I mean, say we, we see them as grown-ups already and we don't know how their lives have been like kind of thing. You know, how would some of the experiences look like for them? Yeah, so I guess one example might be if you're at work and you have a scenario where you're given a new project. So if you grew up your whole life thinking that, or you had genetic predispositions towards anxiety or different things like that, then you might be a little bit more likely if, when you get this new project to be to feel overwhelmed and to have thoughts like, oh no, I can't handle this. How am I supposed to do this? I already have so much on my plate. Um, whereas the opposite would be maybe like you were saying, if you have these feelings that I'm worthy, I'm good enough, then maybe in that situation, when they get an extra project, they'll be thinking like, wow, this is really exciting. They'll feel challenged. They'll feel, yeah, they'll feel like they have something to step up to. So I think that would be an example. How about for you, for your clients, how, what would that look like? in in kids or in teens and things like that yeah i think the perception does influence their their responses uh, significantly and therefore you know so so just now i said that you know if i think i'm so great and so fantastic right kind of thing so it does have a certain sense of confidence and likely a person who grows up feeling that they have that sense of confidence about themselves, they are more likely to face challenges with gusto and with more like, yay, I can do this, right? And, and I think that's what perception, how it affects the way we see things. But at the same time, um, sometimes I have got clients who come in and they will share with me about their own perception and they are aware of, they might be aware of some of these negative thoughts that they have or their own self-doubt but they remain quite overwhelmed by the emotions that come alongside with it. So one thing is being aware of their their, emo, their thought life, right? The other thing is also to, to I think, you know, make a greater sense or uh, of the experience of it, the emotional aspect of it. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because they're definitely so intertwined. Like when we experience a thought and an emotion, it's very rare that the two of them are happening separate and it's intertwined with how we experience the world. And then all of those things will impact how we behave. So I'm glad that you mm. mentioned that. Yeah. So, so Shoni, when, uh, when, when you work with your clients, then how do you support your client? Or how do you help your client? You know, um, how do they manage that, that the idea that what they see might not be the reality? Yeah, so we do a lot of cognitive restructuring, which is where you look at sort of all the different things that we've been talking about. So you look, for instance, at 
an event that triggered something for them and then what that event led to in terms of their feelings and their thoughts. And then from there, we'll unpack those feelings and thoughts more to look at the intensity of them and then try to sort of replace and reframe things. And we also look for cognitive distortions, which is basically patterns of thinking that we can fall into that actually distort the way that we see things. So if we can weed those out, they can see clearer. That's CBT, ain't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cognitive behavioral therapy, Kathy. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's some of the things, because it sounds to me like you've described uh, how you are going to be working with your clients to maybe increase their self-awareness, their thought life, and clarifying some of their thoughts. You say that clarifying some of their ideas and their thoughts, looking at the cognitive dissonance and stuff and unpacking them so that they, so my guess is like um, coming to some kind of clearer and understanding of themselves and how they can respond to it in, in, the, in the way that maybe is more helpful for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We also look at how to establish healthier patterns, healthier habits, um, so that when they experience that emotion or that thought, that that acts as a cue for them to respond in a healthier way. So the habits that you're talking about is like is more intra-psychic kind of habits, like it's about pertaining to the thinking process? Most of my work is thought-based for sure. Which actually mm. makes me curious to hear from you because I know that you do, especially as a counselor, you're able to do a lot more of the emotional side of things. And so can you tell yeah. us a bit more about how that plays out? So I work with kids and cognition is, um, is an ongoing, sometimes with, with kids who are quite young, right? They, they haven't had sufficient cognition and the language ability to be able to express and to do some of the stuff that you're talking about, unearthing their self ideas, you know, or their self talk and to be able to restructure it. That, that is a tall order for, for a kid who's growing up. So um, what I do with a lot of the younger people is that uh, we focus more on the homes of the what called the emotional expression. So, so it's also about neuroscience about how if the child is able to express the emotions, you know, the intensity of the emotion, or be able to feel that I can express these intense emotions because, you know, there are certain emotions that is like more taboo. You know, you can't, you shouldn't be speaking about certain emotions. Um, and being able to talk about this allows them greater self-awareness. So it's a little bit like the self-awareness you're talking about, but not just, it's not so much cognitive awareness, although cognitive awareness is part of it, but there's also emotional awareness. To know that I can experience that and all this experience of, say, anger is, 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 of, is, is, is okay. I can, I can experience it. I can feel it and I know it. I'm familiar with it. So that kind of awareness. So then, of course, with awareness, then we can explore some of the things that you do with your clients. Like, you know, if you're feeling angry, what can you do about it? Maybe, you know, so similar, like, right, for, for little kids, maybe like I could, you know, go to my teddy bear and get a hug or go to mommy or tell mommy about it. So it starts to move in an, in an area that is quite similar to what you have described. I love those examples. Actually, do you have an example if there are any parents of teens or maybe teens listening to this or watching this? What would be, because you mentioned the teddy bear or going to mom. So 
for teens, I would be curious, what would be something, if they're like angry, what would be a way for them to express that in a healthy way? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I'm not saying that teens don't like teddy bears. I'm sure they have their own variations of ver versions of teddy bears. But I think one of the things that I do uh, talk to my parents about um, in, in terms of supporting their children, whether they are a kid, a little little ones or like teens or young adults is to be able to to be able to acknowledge their emotions i think sometimes parents in their haste to make things okay for their kids might say oh don't worry about this don't think about this mm -hmm. it's almost like a sanction of the emotions that they have or some emotions are deemed as negative emotions so like oh don't feel angry angry is bad you know or uh, that kind of uh, sanctions I feel that um, the children will benefit from being able to be familiar with it being able to um, express it of course, within healthy and um, good boundaries. So I think that would be a very important first step for, for many of our growing kids to, to know that it is okay to, to express them and not to think that when I'm expressing anger, then I'm a bad kid. Mm, you know? yeah. yeah. So so I think that would be one, I mean, if anyone's listening in uh, or watching this to to know that the, the emotions that you feel are part of your experiences mm. you know and being able to feel validated is important that those experiences are real and authentic for for us i think then the question is then what do i do with those emotions though then those are the second part but i think to to begin by acknowledging yes i feel this i feel that intense emotion and it's is real to me i think that would be a very important first part first step yeah yeah because there's nothing that we can do about things that we aren't aware of right so we need that awareness yeah. first yeah so with awareness then we can start to have options and changes right if you're not aware we, we can't do very much about what we don't know exactly yeah, yeah. oh thanks for yeah. sharing that. yeah so so that's a point of reflection for, say, parents or uh, teens or kids kind of thing. But what about for an adult client, you know, or someone who's listening in? What is one thing that you can ask them to do or think about? Yeah, something that would be really helpful is if people can just start sort of becoming aware of what's going on in terms of their thought life and how they're sort of perceiving things around them. So, for instance, maybe you can this week just take note of what you're feeling and then take note of what the thoughts were that happened uh, that may have led to those feelings so that you kind of start to get this awareness of what your sort of inner workings are in terms of your emotions as well as your thinking. And once we sort of keep looking at our thought patterns, then we get a better understanding of how we see things and how we perceive things. And then from there, we're setting ourselves up to better be able to sort of say like, okay, are the way that we're seeing these things actually reality? And then, yeah, getting that awareness first is key. So maybe this week, my challenge for people who are listening would be to just even have like a thought tracker. So you can just write that out on a scrap piece of paper. And maybe that looks like having three columns. So one column is events. So that can be like the different things that take place in your life that sort of trigger negative emotions. And then you have the second column 
And in that column, you can track what your feelings were. And then the third column, you can track what your thoughts were. And the more that this is just a really good sort of exercise to do what we were talking about earlier, which is building that awareness of sort of what's going on behind the scenes so that you get a better understanding of yourself and then you're able to move on to the next step, which would be what we're talking about in the next episodes um, about how to sort of replace that and what, what to do once you have that uh, understanding of your inner workings down. So thanks very much, Joni. It's been really quite interesting listening to your perspective and see how, you know, even though we have different training and different uh, clinical practice, how the, the overlaps as well as the differences, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Well, I'm looking forward to our subsequent parts, you know, where we will start to break down and answer some of the questions I think are on people's mind. It's like, okay, so yes, uh, perception is quite powerful. Then what do I do with it kind of thing? Yeah. You know, so, so we'll be unpacking that in the next two, uh, three parts. Yeah. So hope to see and hear everybody else again soon. Thank you so much, Doc. Thanks very much for this. That brings us to the end of today's podcast, but don't worry, there are plenty more ahead. Join me every Wednesday at 9am Singapore Standard Time for weekly chats on things like perfectionism and anxiety. If you're loving this podcast, share it with a friend and give it a five-star rating or leave a review to help us reach even more people. And as always, I love hearing from you guys, so if you want to connect, Hop over to my Instagram or Facebook page and send me a message or comment on one of the posts. The links are in the show notes.